today we'll begin uh, just to walk through the book of Romans. So if you have a Bible, go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. So Wednesday is more like a Bible study. It's not like a sermon like on Sunday. On Wednesday we come, we study the Bible, we pray together, and, and we sing together. So today I will begin Romans 1, verse 1. And as I studied for this devotional tonight, I, as I was working through Romans 1, I said I would not be able to finish verse 1. So I will finish verse 1 next week. So I don't know how long it would take us to go through Romans. So I was reading this. There was a pastor, Mr. Williams. Uh, you know him. Uh, you knew him. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a Welsh pastor. And he was a pastor in London for many decades. Uh, very respected pastor. So he preached through the book of Romans for 16 years. And he did not finish the book because he died. So I hope that I will be able to finish Romans as we walk together through this amazing book. So Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And I will just read it. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Romans 1, verse 1. What I would like to do is just unpack two truths that we see in this verse. And then after that, Pastor Greg Murphy will come and lead us in a time of prayer. So as I was, Romans, I was reading the book this week, just praying about it, just thinking about it, reading about Romans. Romans is perhaps one of the, perhaps the most influential book of the New Testament in the history of the church. Great pastors, theologians, were saved through the book of Romans. Think about Augustine, or Augustine, or, uh, the pastor in North Africa, St. Augustine. He was saved when he was 32, I think he was, and his mother, Monica, prayed for him for many years. Uh, his life was a disaster, and he was in all kinds of trouble, and she was faithful, praying for him, Always. She never gave up. And she prayed for him. And one day, he was reading Romans. And the Lord just convicted him of his sins. And that day, he was saved. But not only Augustine, Luther, the great reformer, was saved by the reading of Romans. Reading uh, chapter 1, verse 16, 17, about justification by faith in Christ alone. And he said, how can I be just before a holy God? And then he read Romans, and he said, oh, by faith is that I'm saved. And he was saved by reading Romans. Wesley, the great preacher from England that led the, revi- the second great awakening, the revivals. John Wesley was saved not by reading Romans, but as he was listening to the introduction to the book of Romans by Luther. And he said, as I read Luther speak up, uh, writing about Romans, my heart became warned. And that moment, a love for the Lord came to me. And he was saved, John Wesley. And well, this afternoon, I was having, I was having lunch with a pastor from Macedonia. Uh, he's a young pastor, he's th- uh, 32. He was saved uh, when he was 20. Uh, he went to Serbia. And he was given a Bible. He used to attend an Orthodox church where the priest would not allow him to read the Bible. But he 
a friend who was a missionary gave him a Bible, and he began to read the Bible. In the New Testament, he read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, and then the whole book of Acts. And was he reading Romans, he got struck by the Lord. He repented of his sins and trusted the Lord. And he said, I was saved by reading the book of Romans. So great things happen when we read Romans. So I pray that great things will happen as the Lord bless us as we read and study this book together for the next few weeks, months, years, I don't know. <laughs> so Romans 1. So this is the first truth that I want you to see here. Trust the power of God to save anyone. Trust the power of God to save anyone. In Romans, here we see chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, who is Paul? Who is Paul? I mean, it would be helpful for us to have a biblical perspective of, about Paul. Let's go to Acts 22. You don't have to go if you, I mean, you can go in your Bible if you want, but we'll put the passages in the screen. Acts 22, verse 3 and 4. This is Paul. He said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, in Cilicia. That is Turkey. So Paul was born in Tarsus, Turkey, but brought up in this city, in Jerusalem. So he was born in Turkey, and he was raised in Jerusalem. And then he says, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as, as all of you are this day. So I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. This is what he says about himself. He was born in Turkey. He was raised in Jerusalem. He became a student of the law. He was zealous about the law and he was a persecutor of the church. Then we read in Philippians 3, verses 4 through 7. This is what Paul says. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. So he said, I was. If, if there's a person that can brag about himself and his credential, that's me. I'm not only a Jew, but I'm a, from Benjamin, which was the most nationalistic of the tribes. And he said, I was a Pharisee, blameless before the law. But now I count that as nothing because of Christ. And then we read about his conversion uh, in Acts 9. This is what we read, Acts 9, verses 3 through 6. Now, as he, thus Paul, went on his way, he approached Damascus. So he was in Jerusalem. In, Je in Jerusalem, he received kind of the right to go to Damascus to persecute Christians. So on his way, on his way to Damascus, he says, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around me. Verse 4, and falling on the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, with that voice, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. You know what is interesting there? 
the Lord Jesus, who is in heaven, exalted, revealed himself to Paul and says, why are you persecuting me? Jesus did not say, why are you persecuting the church? Or why are you persecuting the Christians in Damascus? Why are you persecuting me? Because to persecute us as his followers, disciples, children, is to persecute him. So whatever harm one does to a Christian is doing that to Christ himself. That is how Christ associates himself with us. That is the connection that Jesus sees with us. I pray that we will see the same connection with Christ that he sees in us. To do to the Christian is to do it to Christ. So keep reading Acts 9. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Verse 6. But rise and enter the city and you'll be told what you are to do. And then we read in verses 10 through 16. This is in Damascus. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, at the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hand on him so that he might regain his vision, his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Like, Lord, are, are you sure about this? This person is killing Christian. Are you sure about this? And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. You see, now he is mine. He's mine. He's mine instrument. He belongs to me. I will use him. And then he says, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Then, Galatians 1, 14, 16. Galatians 1, 14, 16. This is Paul speaking. He's writing to the Galatians. He said, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. When he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. But look what I want to see. He's talking about his credential, about his legalism, how he was very strict. He was a, a Pharisee and all of that, but then he called me. So the, reason, the question is, for us here, how did that happen? How did a former Pharisee who hated Christianity with all his might, 
who threatened, who persecuted the church, who participated in the killing of the first Christian martyr. I mean, he was present when a Christian was killed because of his faith. He led them. How did that person came to write the book of Romans? How an enemy of the church, a person that will kill Christians, that hated Christians, that hated Jesus, came to be the most influential writer in the New Testament, the first Christian missionary, the first Christian theologian. How? Verse 1. Because I was set apart for the gospel of God. The answer to how this person who is persecuting Christian now is preaching the gospel. How did that happen? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ is powerful. So powerful to save the worst of criminals. Paul was persecuting Christians, killing them. He was well-trained in religion. He was well-connected. And then he said, and all of those connections, all of that education, all of that, all my family, I counted as nothing because of Christ. That is the power of the gospel. The gospel is the good news. Look what he says in verse 1. The gospel of God. Meaning that the gospel is from God and about God. It's not a message from a person, from a human being. It's the message from God himself. And it's that gospel that God used to save Paul. And I think it is important for us to think about that. Because sometimes we tend to give up on people. Sometimes we'll give up on our children. My daughter, she walked away from the faith. And now she adopted a different lifestyle. My son, he's an alcoholic, he's into drugs. God can save him, God can save her. I, used, I had a friend, he used to tell me, he said, Edgar, the drunk person on that corner could be the next Billy Graham. Why? Because if the Lord saved that person, that homeless person that is drunk right now, he can use him through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to trust the power of the gospel. How Paul came to write Romans and to become a faithful preacher and a missionary because of the gospel of God. And the gospel simply means good news. The, the word gospel in the Greek is angelion, good news. And the good news is the announcement that God, the just judge, sent his son, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, to live the perfect life, to die the death 
that you and I deserved because of our sins. And God raised him three days after from the dead to accept his sacrifice as a substitute for anyone who would trust in him. That is the power of the gospel. We should never give up on anyone because of God. Not because of us, but because of the power of the gospel of Christ. This is what he says. And then he says, and I, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. You see verse 1? He's Paul, and then he calls himself a servant. The language of servant in the Greek is doulos, which is also translated as slave. He is a slave of Christ. A servant of Christ Jesus. That language was used in the Old Testament to talk about Abraham, to talk about Moses, to talk about David, about Joshua, about the prophets. For example, Genesis 26, 24. And we have the passage, Genesis 26, 24. It says, they don't have it, but I will have it in my Bible. Genesis 26, 24. There's always have the Bible available. This is what it says. And the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. Then we can go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Let me see if they have that one. If not, I have it in my Bible here. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. This is a new Bible, so this Bible is more difficult to find. There you go. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. You see, Moses, the servant of the Lord. And in our Bible, Lord is in caps because it's the word Yahweh, Jehovah. That's the personal name of God. The same in Joshua 24, 29. Joshua is called the servant of the Lord. In Second uh, Samuel, David is called the servant of the Lord. So those men of God in the Old Testament, they were called servant of God. So Paul called himself a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is interesting about that is he is replacing Yahweh with Jesus Christ. And he's equating Yahweh, the Lord, with Jesus Christ, the Lord. Telling us that Jesus Christ is one with Yahweh. Jesus is not just a prophet. He is the Lord God. And he is a servant of Jesus the way Moses and Abraham was a servant of Yahweh. But the word here is doulos, which is interesting here. And in, in, uh, Paul calls himself a servant before he calls himself an apostle. And I think this is interesting because he wants us to see that he is not using that term as a privileged office but uh, or something of great service. Paul sees himself as a servant. And I think that's an example for us because Christians are called servants. Think about 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7. He says, you were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. 
Galatians 1.10, for I now seeking the approval of men or of God, and I'm trying to please men. He said, no, because I'm a servant of Jesus. And this is important. Our master and Lord is Christ. And I know we don't, sometimes the Bible uses slave, and we don't like to use the term because normally the term comes with the history of, in America, of slavery, which was wicked and evil and sinful. But that's not how the Bible is using it. To be a servant, a slave of Jesus, is to be bought by Jesus. He bought us with a price. And the price was his blood. I like, when we talk about Jesus, I like slave better than servant. Because, for example, you can have someone who's serving you, and they can decide when to serve you or not. If you go to a restaurant, you have a servant, and that person is serving you. They can serve you, or they cannot. If they don't want to do it, they don't do it. But if we belong to Jesus, we are his. He owns us. He is the master. And that speaks of submission, of his lordship to us. And the point here that I want you to see is, I want us to submit your whole life to the lordship of Jesus. Submit your whole life to the lordship of Jesus. If you are a Christian, if you have repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, Christ is not only your savior, he's also your Lord. He owns you. He bought you. He purchased us with his blood. That is the language that we find in Acts 20, 28, when Paul is writing to the elders in Ephesus. This is what he says. He's writing to pastors. This is Paul writing to pastors. He said, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he who is he? God purchased with his own blood. You see? A Jehovah's Witness cannot read that verse. Because we were purchased with the blood of God. Why? Because when Jesus became flesh, God became flesh. And the blood of Jesus, he appropriated our humanity. Die. In the cross. That's why in Jesus in Revelation 1, when he went before John in this vision of heaven, he said, I was dead. Now I am alive. The Lord Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who's one with the Father, became flesh and died as one of us to redeem us through his blood. So if you are a Christian, you belong to him. Your life, your money, your relationship, your intellect, your gift, everything that you have belongs to Jesus. You cannot give Jesus your soul and not the rest of your life. If not, you're not a servant of God. And if you're not a servant of God, you don't belong to God. Because to belong to him is to the whole being of us belongs to Jesus. Uh, Abraham Kuyper, who was a, the Prime Minister of Netherlands like 120 years ago, he was a theologian, and Kuyper used to say, when Christ sees the cosmos, the universe, 
he says, there's no one square inch that he doesn't say, mine. The whole universe belongs to him. He created you, and then he saved you. So the totality of your life belongs to him. And we need to think that way. Because we need to do that. Whatever we do, we have to do it for the glory of him who saved us. And my challenge to us, to you, to us as a church this evening, from Romans 1 verse 1, is submit your whole life to the lordship of Jesus. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, you cannot do that. Because you're not saved. But you can be saved tonight by turning away from your sins and trusting in Jesus. By acknowledging, by recognizing that you are dead in your sins. That you have sinned against a holy God. But that God in his grace and mercy sent his son to save you and me. And if you trust in him today, if you call on his name, you will be saved. You can be sure about that, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Regardless of your background, regardless of the sins that you have committed, he will save you if you call on his name. That's the case of Paul. He saved Paul. If he can save Paul, he can save anyone, you and me included. And if you're a Christian, treasure the light in the salvation that you have received. And if you have sinned today, repent, and he will forgive you. So in a moment, I will pray. Pastor Greg Morf, we will sing a song. Pastor Greg will come, and we will pray together. And at the end of that, we will sing one song, and pastors will be here. If you want to trust in Christ today, do it now. But come after the service and tell us. If you have questions what it means to, be, to follow Jesus, if you have questions about baptism, we would love to talk with you. So at the end of the service, pastor will be here as we sing together. Come to Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for your grace. We thank you for saving Paul and for using him as an instrument of your grace. Thank you for the book of Romans. I pray that we will be faithful, that you will use this powerful book to transform us, to change us. I pray that we will enjoy reading, studying the word. And as we do that, that we will love you more and love others more. Bless us as we continue to worship you. In Christ, amen.